today's message is God's upside-down kingdom that's actually right-side-up. And that will make more sense to you in a moment. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians this morning. While you're doing that, let me tell you a story. Two factory workers are talking, and the woman says, I can make the boss give me the day off. And the man replies, and how are you going to do that? And the woman says, just wait and see. She then hangs upside down from the ceiling rafter. The boss comes in and says, what are you doing? And the woman replies, I'm a light bulb. The boss says, you've been working so much that you've just gone crazy. I think you need to take the day off. And the man starts to follow her, and the boss says, where are you going? And the man says, I'm going home too. I can't work in the dark. <laughs> We're back in 1 Corinthians. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth around the early 50s AD during his second missionary journey. Opposition grew fierce, we know, and Jesus spoke to him in a vision, assuring him that he had many people in the city. And so he stayed for 18 months, teaching them the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. I'll be reading out of the New King James on this portion. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. Excuse me. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for today. I do thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. God, we want everything that we do to be done according to your will and according to your word, because we know that it is your will. Lord, I ask that you would use me today to, uh, not for my own self, but for our spiritual growth that everyone would receive something from you today. Lord, if you can use a donkey, I ask that you would use me. And there are times that I feel that I'm no better than a donkey, Lord. So here we are, here I am, standing as a broken vessel, as we all are broken vessels, asking you to fill us, begging for your power to reign in us again. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God. Amen. Life principle today, no matter how long you've been a Christian, remember how Christ found you and only put your boast in him. First of all, remember how Christ found you. I've split this text into two separate splits today, so let's look at verses 26 through 29. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation for this one. And it says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you are wise or were wise in the world's eyes, or powerful, or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless 
in order to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can even ever boast in the presence of God. You ever notice that people who lack humility are found in every walk of life and in everywhere you go? You ever notice that? They take pride in some of the most ridiculous things. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, would it be on the screen? Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Remember, we just looked at these verses not too long ago. He's reiterating that. It helps to remember that we must be in and have humility, and only true humility comes from God himself. It is a gift. James 4, 5 through 7 says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. Now, I don't speak as though I have it all together. Most of you who know me know that. But as a fellow sojourner with Christ, Paul states, Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. In other words, what state were you in spiritually and what state are you in spiritually now? Do people consider you wise when they once didn't? Are you wise in the world's system? What does that matter eternally? If it has no eternal value, then should we really be worried about it? Well, the, ma- the answer is no. Are you wealthy now? Are you better off than than you ever have been? In today's economy, I I don't know anybody who is. Or have some kind of, um, or do you have some kind of power in the world's eyes? Do you? Do you have control over things? Do you feel like you are the master of your own destiny? Guess what? You're wrong. And that power you feel doesn't matter. If you find your worth in anything the world has to offer, then you indeed have found nothing. You found nothing. Is it wrong to have money, power, knowledge? No, but that's not where we find our worth. We find our worth in Jesus Christ. Why? Because those things are temporary. They're going away. They will not last. That money you have, that nice house or that car or that business, when you look into eternity, it means nothing. It stands for nothing. And if you put your worth as an individual in those things, then my friend, you're in for a rude awakening. You may find yourself as one who gets in by the skin of your teeth into heaven. You want to hear, well done, my good and faithful slave, don't you? Or do you just want to hear, well, good to see you. Where do you want to be? How do you want to be? Remember, God chose the opposite things of this world to put this world to shame. We we visited that last week. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God chose the way of the cross, which is foolishness to the world, to put to shame the wise. God chose weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 
Psalm 8.2 says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Matthew 11.25 says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Remember when he had the children come to him. He said, you don't get in the kingdom unless you come as one of these. By the way, that's the Joe Kramer version of that. You can throw that out with the salt water. Wow, some of y'all get that joke on the way home. 1 Corinthians one twenty-eight. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. The world at the time of Christ considered Jesus a carpenter. Then they considered him a cult leader. Then they had him put to death because he was overturning their system, their ways, their, 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 their religios- religiosity. It was their system, I say, because they had preferred God's system for so long that it was no longer God's, but it had become theirs. It was nothing but a shell of what it should have been. It was a form of godliness, but it had no power. But we know that he didn't, speaking of Jesus, didn't stay dead when they wanted to put him to death. He came back, and you know what happened? It confounded them. They didn't understand it because it's spiritually discerned. Acts 5.35 says, And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves that you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodius rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him, and he also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or the work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. The twelve disciples, under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, turned this world upside down. So what happened to the church? What happened? Well, when I look at modern church history, I see that we as Christians started making deals with the devil. We have left the world's ways come into our lives for so long that we think it's God's when it really isn't. The evangelical church today is not evangelizing for Christ anymore. No, they're too concerned about what color their ceiling is and how many fog machines they have and all those things. If it reaches the unsaved, great, but if that's all it's about, forget it. It has no eternal value. As a matter of fact, most people in evangelical churches today have no idea what they believe. They just like the music or the feel-good preaching. 2 Timothy 3.1 warns us of this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. 
They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. The church, and indeed the world, doesn't need another preacher making them feel good. People don't need to be running after their next spiritual high, as it were. They need the sanctifying and, well, the saving and sanctifying power of Jesus Christ. They need the power of God that sanctifies them to their uttermost so that when the world looks at them, they don't see Jesus and say, Jesus is just an add-on to your life. No, they see something different. They see a life that is changed and is different than what the lives of the world look like. They either look at us and scoff at us and walk away, or they say, I don't know what it is, but I want what you got. Let me tell you this, most people who go to church who aren't saved don't even know what it is they should be scoffing at because the gospel has been so watered down. I'm going to tell you this, and you may not like it. The more like the world we become, the less relevant we become to the world. Let me say that again. The more like the world we become the less relevant we become to the world because we don't have the power of Jesus Christ. Before I move on, I'd like to give you a couple of uh, jokes that are kind of foolish since we're talking about the foolishness of the world. Two muffins are sitting in an oven. One to the other and said, wow, it's pretty hot in here. And the other one shouted, wow, a talking muffin. That's a dad joke. Did you hear about the guy who invented the knock-knock joke? He won the Nobel Prize. I know. Remember that we are to only boast in the Lord, only boast in Jesus. 1 Corinthians verses, or chapter 1, verse 31, 30 and 31. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. As humans, we have the uncanny ability to take anything and not only justify it, but boast about it. For example, and I know... Some people, especially teenagers, are gonna, would get mad at me for this, but they'll get over it. You ever see students with jeans today in middle and high school? Um, you ever notice they're ripped and tattered? Do you know they buy them that way? And they pay a premium for it. I never understood that. I think, I think how this started was some kid was poor, he couldn't afford new clothes, and then he started to say, hey, look how awesome I am. And so what happens? Well, it became a source of pride, and it caught on, and all the cool kids have ripped jeans. I need some too, you know? And, uh, you know, the same thing happened in the 90s. Only back then it was, how low can your pants go? Um, I think how that started was that somebody couldn't afford a belt, and they got some pants somewhere from a hand-me-down, and 
they said, look how awesome I am. You can see my underwear. And then everyone had to have the lowest pants. And if you didn't have it, you just weren't cool. They even boasted about how they couldn't walk down the road without holding their pants up. Yeah, great job on that. Hey, don't think pastors are immune either. Um, I'll speak with you after church. <laughs> She's, I said, don't think pastors are immune. She goes, I know. <laughs> oh, I'm just messing with you. Uh, it used to be I had to wear a three-piece suit and tie. I'm obviously not wearing that today. Um, then it was just a jacket and no tie. Then we could wear Hawaiian shirts with no tie. That was fun. That was a fun time. I never liked the Hawaiian shirt. It just made me look fat and lazy. But, you know, we used to say, man, I can't believe you aren't wearing a tie. That's awesome. And the other guy be like, yeah, man, no tie for me. And now if you wear a tie, ministers are like, man, I can't believe you're wearing a tie. How dare you? Well, I got to be like the cool kids. No tie for me. Boasting is foolishness. It means nothing. You think Jesus cares if I wear a tie or not? Y'all want to know why I don't wear a tie? Shh, let me tell you a secret. I got fat and it don't fit right. I feel like I'm choking. There, that's why I don't wear a tie. Look at verse 30 again. I'm going to read it in the Berean Standard Bible and it says this. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. Our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Jesus has become for us wisdom. He's become for us our righteousness. He's become for us our holiness. He's become for us our redemption. You and I should find our worth in Him. The believer finds his strength in Jesus. Christ comes from the Greek Christos. Did you know that? Christos which basically means Savior. That's, a, a, that's not his last name, by the way. Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. It means Jesus the Savior, okay? Now that we've cleared that up. But what is he saving us from? What do we need saving from? From the bondage of sin. Sin was my master until Christ broke those bondages and put himself as our master instead. He saved us from that life and gave us newness of life. And because of this, he's become our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Stop looking to the world for wisdom. At best, it's misguided. At worst, it's demonic. Stop looking to the world for right living. What does the world consider success? Money, power, strength? That's not right living. Right living in God's eyes is love, empathy, giving, and serving. Don't look for people in the world's approval. You know why? Because you're not going to get it. Not truly. You see, your approval as a Christian is imputed to you by what Christ did on the cross. As a matter of fact, the world is so perverse that it now calls those things which we used to call good, it calls them bad. And the things which we used to call bad, it calls good. Isaiah 5.20 spoke well to Israel about the same subject. He said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing. 
intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the shaft, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust. Because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people. He has stretched out his hand against them and stricken them. And the hills trembled. Their carcasses were as refuse in the midst of the streets. For all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. If God said this about Israel in the time of Isaiah, his chosen people, how much more does this warning apply to the world? Nay, let me say that. How much more will this apply to his people today who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them? which Israel didn't have. Don't get caught up in the world's idea of right living. It's evil. The world will not redeem you. Only Christ can do that. As a matter of fact, the world offers you sin. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Sin looks good, don't it? But there's an old saying, sin will take you further than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay and make you pay more than you want to pay. And it's true. That goes for believers and unbelievers alike. Speaking of things that have worth, three guys enter a candy store. First guy approaches the clerk and asks for 10 cents worth of jelly beans. So you know this around the turn of the century because 10 cents worth of jelly beans is like a quarter of a jelly bean. Just saying. And since the jelly beans are on the top shelf, the clerk goes into another room, brings out a ladder, gets the jelly beans down, takes out 10 cents worth, puts the jelly beans back up on the top shelf, and puts the ladder away. And then he goes to the second guy and asks what he wants. And he too wants 10 cents worth of jelly beans. So the clerk goes into the other room, brings out the ladder, gets the jelly beans down, takes out 10 cents worth. Before putting them back up on the top shelf, he turns to the third guy and says, Do you want 10 cents worth of jelly beans too? No, thank you, he replies. Hearing that, the clerk puts the jelly beans back up on the shelf and puts the ladder away again. He returns to the third guy and asks, so what do you have? I'd like five cents worth of jelly beans, he replies. That joke had nothing to do with the sermon other than talking about worth. Uh, I just thought it was funny, and uh, since I'm the one preaching, I get to say it. So there we go. No matter how long you've been a Christian, remember this, guys. No matter how long you've been a Christian, always find your worth in Christ. Not in what you have, not in who you know, not what power you wield, but make your boast in Him. I used to know a a deacon and... uh, He was a mentor of sorts. And every time, he would just frustrate the tar out of some people. Because every time, he was a helper. He had the the spiritual gift of helps. He heard somebody needed something, he was right there. They needed to put a roof on the house, he was there the next morning putting the roof on the house without them knowing about it, you know what I mean? He was that kind of guy. And uh, he was doing that and didn't have any vocal cords because he had throat cancer. 
years before. And every time they'd say, I can't believe you do this, thank you. He goes, uh-uh, God. That would frustrate the tar out of some people. I've never seen people get so frustrated over that. Because he refused to take any credit for anything that he did. He wouldn't just say, you're welcome. He'd say, thank God. Don't thank me. That man, uh, he died a few years back, but he changed a lot in my life just by watching his life. So remember, find humility. Remember how Christ found you and only boast in his grace and his goodness. How about you today, Miss Joe? How about you today? Where's your spiritual journey at? You know, when Jesus talking to the churches in Revelation, he said to one of them, I advise you to buy salve and put it on your eyes. He said to another one, hey, how about you return to your first love? Sometimes we need to hear that. Sometimes we need to take a minute and just examine where we're at and really be honest, brutally honest with ourselves. And the only way you can do that, I have found, at least for me, is ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you're missing it. Man, that don't feel good. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to serve God. So when you ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you're missing it, He's going to show you. And then you've got to repent. Now that feels good. Because the Holy Spirit cleanses you from that sin. Cleanses you from your pride. Cleanses you from your arrogance. But first of all, anything I've said today means nothing if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you don't know Him, you need to know Him. When you wake up, where will you wake up? Heaven or hell, the choice right now, today, could be your day. Whether you're on stream, whether you're listening by recording, whether you're here, whatever it may be. Are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that when you die, you'll wake up in, the, in heaven? If not, you can be sure today. I can, I can introduce you to Jesus. I can't save you but I can pray with you. So during this time, if you'd like to join this church by letter, by statement, or baptism, if you have a special prayer, or if you'd like to pray to receive Christ, I'm up here. Miss Joe, as we've seen the invitation, hymn.